Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Nate Black, and we're going to talk about YouTube content strategy for businesses. If you don't have a YouTube channel and you're thinking about building one out, or you've got a YouTube channel that you haven't touched in a long time, and you know there's business opportunity for you, this is the podcast for you. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast apps. You don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Nate Black. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Nate Black. If you don't know who Nate is, he's a marketing strategist. His company is called Income School. It's a membership site that helps entrepreneurs start and grow online businesses. And his YouTube channel is at Channel Makers. Nate, welcome to the show. And for those that put on podcasts and YouTube videos, you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. Nate and I have had so many funny little situations happen, but now we're ready to rock, <laughs> Nate. So welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. I am so glad uh, we're, we're here. We're doing this. All those technical difficulties aside, I'm, I'm glad to be here. This is going to be fun. Well, today, Nate and I are going to explore YouTube content strategy for businesses. But before we go there, Nate, I would love to hear your story because I know you've got a great one. How'd you get into YouTube? Start wherever you want to start. Would love to. I do need to let you know before I even get into that, uh, Michael, uh, Mike, sorry, Yeah. Uh, that yesterday I asked the channel makers audience, I did a little post and I said, what should I tell Mike on this call? I'm, I'm recording with Mike, social media examiner tomorrow. And I said, top voted comment, I'll say to him, no matter what it is. <laughs> so I'm going to save that till the end of this recording so you can... Uh, see what by a landslide this comment won. So you'll, you'll get to hear that at near the end of this recording. Cool. There's reason to stick around. Uh, remind me if I don't remember, I need to okay, good. do that. I will. <laughs> but as far as my story goes, I would describe myself, especially growing up as extremely shy and introverted. And yet because of my family's interests, they, they were into a lot of theater, specifically musical theater. And so during my growing up years, I would say until probably until about when I left the home and some actually when I left home, I per probably performed on stages live in front of live audiences over a thousand times. Wow. And typically that, that's typically the response. People say, oh my gosh, like, wait, wait, shy and introverted and theater. How, do, how the heck does that work? It was interesting because I felt like I could be a different person when I was on stage. And often my friends would see me and they would, and they would see how I was on stage and off stage. And they say, what the heck? What happened on stage? You know, when the lights turn on, what changed? 
And it, it was interesting because I felt like I could be something that I wasn't necessarily in quote unquote normal life. And so from that point, I went through a variety of different jobs, uh, employments. I did a, what I would call a montage of different marketing jobs, online marketing, in-person marketing, uh, all sorts of things. I did telesales, although we don't speak too much of that now. <laughs> Whenever I tell people I did telesales, it's always, really? You, you, you? Oh, no. You're one of those people. I, I say, well, hey. For the record, I did it for like one day and I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I guess I have you beat there. I made it 90 days, I think. I, okay. I did three months and I said, nope. Yep. <laughs> but that does play into the story here because telesales, in-person sales, high ticket sales, like events where you would go in there and they would say they would have an offering $35,000 and I'd be the one that would sell it. You know, And so along the way, I discovered that I had an aptitude for two particular things. One was I could see patterns. I could understand if A led to B, B led to C. And then for this result, if I saw a pattern enough times, then I could start to understand, okay, this causes this result. And the second thing I noticed about myself was the aptitude for understanding why people chose to do something. Uh, I could see, oh, okay, if this effect happens, if this emotional pull happens, then most often people will choose to do this thing. And I think another term for that I only learned later was marketing psychology. And so those two things led me to here, which did you want me to go into what led me into doing YouTube right now? Yeah, yeah, please yeah. take your time. Yeah. Okay. So a few years back, I was kind of in this game of the online marketing game, and I had never seriously considered YouTube before, but I was able to meet up with some some friends that we then later uh, we started working together and they had more experience producing videos on YouTube, but they came to me and they said, Hey, we want you to become the, essentially the, the YouTube side of what we're doing at income school. Uh, because previously we've been doing mostly blogging or niche website style of stuff. So I said, Hey, we want you to lead this out. And so I said, Heck yeah. I mean, this sounds awesome. But I, had, I, I want people to understand that I had never done YouTube previously to this. But I knew that based on previous aptitudes, I thought I could do pretty well with it. The, the performing, the marketing, all of that into it. However, it's, it's a funny space to be. And I'll say this for it's anybody that gets onto YouTube, starts a brand new channel, and then starts making videos along the lines of here's how to grow a YouTube channel when you only have 200 subscribers on your channel. It feels kind of wacko. When did you start doing that? This is about th three years ago. Okay. Keep going with the story. And so the interesting thing is I knew early on, I said, look, I, so yes, I have all this other experience, but on YouTube, I'm brand new. And yet I'm starting a channel trying to teach people how to be successful on YouTube. And I realized either I can just fake it forever, which I mean, there is a degree of that in almost everybody as they're learning a new skill, just faking it until you make it right. But the other angle I realized was, what if I out researched everybody else, I could become what's called uh, there's different types of experts, right? There's there's experience experts, people who have done it for 20 years, and therefore they're, they're an expert and people will listen to them. There's there's results experts, people who, even if they've only done it for three months, and they made a million dollars, it's like, oh, everybody wants to listen to them. But then there's research experts. 
And I decided that, especially at the beginning, I had to do that because I didn't have the other two. I, I really on YouTube, I didn't. So I said, you know, I'm going to out research everybody. So I did studies. I, I would pull in hundreds of channels for a single video, analyzing a single aspect of YouTube, like thumbnails or why some videos have better retention than others. Every angle I could slice it, I would do data gathers and try to understand why it performed the way it did. And then I would make videos and say, according to 400 videos that I analyzed in depth, here's the answer. And I think that set the channel makers channel as a, aside or, or set it apart from a lot of the other growth channels on there. And that I think combined with uh, just the, uh, my sense, like I was saying of the patterns part, but also just understanding marketing psychology. I was talking about it differently than most people were. You know what I love about this is this is a legit strategy. Like I think Matthew Patrick is somebody who does this really good. I think he's got game theory or whatever his thing is where he analyzes all these video games and stuff. I'm very analytical and I, I, speak every year at my conference and I always present an analytical perspective on where the industry is going. And you don't have to be the best. You don't have to have the most experience. You don't even have to have the most success because there's a lot of people that are interested in that kind of content. And I think that's exciting for a lot of people that are listening right now that say I could never be so-and-so, right? Cause I don't have the hundred thousand or the million subscribers. So bring us up to the present. If you don't mind, what are you doing with channel makers and income school these days. Right, so my goal right now is to help people to create an online business that they just love. They enjoy making content for, it makes them good income, all of that. And so um, particularly on the YouTube or the channel maker side of things, uh, it's funny because Mike, you and I, we were talking about things are shifting because previously I was all in the YouTube education growth space. As of right now, I am shifting into more of the YouTube business space, that's how I describe it, or creator business type of space. So right now, primary focus is helping people to understand what it takes to build traffic to, to on particularly on YouTube, I'll speak in terms of YouTube because we have other things we're doing, but particularly on YouTube, build traffic if they have an existing business or if they want to start from scratch either way. And then from there, position the content strategically so that it very quickly, without a ton of trial and error, it very quickly gets in front of the right audience. And every or most of the videos on the channel are evergreen. So it, it essentially turns into YouTube essentially turns into a full time free, uh, aside from the effort you put into making the videos, but a full time free evergreen uh, marketing funnel for you. I love it. So there are some people listening right now who are entrepreneurs or marketers. And they're very much focused on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or TikTok, dot, dot, dot. But maybe they haven't paid attention to YouTube. Why make the case as to why YouTube is so important for marketers and businesses? First thing, that's, a, that's an excellent question, by the way. For, I do need to add the addendum here that I, I don't have as much experience with other social platforms, if I'm honest here. Yeah, but, but you don't need to. You just need to make the case as to why YouTube. Yeah. So I, I can make a dang strong case for YouTube. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do it. So some of the reasons I already alluded to earlier with kind of the purpose of what we're doing here is YouTube particularly has the ability to create a evergreen library of content. That's how I would describe it. An evergreen library of just helpful or just interesting videos that build brand authority, that build credibility and trust 
And when structured correctly, uh, you can essentially have videos. I'm, I'm literally on channel makers. I have videos that are two plus years old that continue to get sales for me because the algorithm, its job is to resurface good content. Uh, so that's the first thing. The other thing I'd say is people have less barriers on YouTube. There's something about an audience that, that, that feels like they can connect with you. You're the, you're the channel maker. You're the person and you're just, even if you're a business behind the scenes, if you're just a real person talking to the camera, it's not a presentation. In most cases, you, you're not, it's not TV. It's a real person. People perceive it as it's a real person. So their barriers to hearing what you have to say or what you're offering are much lower from my experience. Very cool. Is that because when they visit a website, it's just mostly graphics and text, but when they watch a video, they get to see the real human side. Is that kind of what's going on there? Yeah. We've conducted studies actually uh, on our end with, because like I mentioned earlier, we've, we've done niche websites where it's like you answer questions, you get results in, in the Google SERP, you know, people search something and they get a result, right? From our experience, we've run tons of websites and YouTube channels from our experience the the distance to purchase from YouTube is dramatically shorter. It takes people a lot more time, a lot more articles read through in order before they'll purchase something on a website than on YouTube. I think it's for the reasons I've I've stated. We've actually tested it. A view on YouTube is worth a lot more than a view on a, a web page. Well, and that's that's like a huge advantage for a lot of people that are listening right now, because in the end, almost everybody who's in marketing is driving them to some sort of a website, right? Where they're trying to get a lead or sell a product or service. Okay, so what do we need to know about and understand about how people use YouTube? Because I know when we were preparing for this interview, you said this is something we should talk about. This comes into, I guess, a bit of my uh, marketing psychology space. When I've looked at YouTube, I've seen some patterns. Um, people come to YouTube for a few particular reasons. One is, and this is not an exhaustive list, but one is they would just want to relax. Uh, it's for many, many millions, perhaps a billion people. I don't know. For millions of people, they go to YouTube just to chill, just to relax. That's, that's one reason. Another is um, they just want to feel happy or feel anything, which is kind of sad to say that. But in most cases, uh, for a lot of people, YouTube is a place where they feel something. Another is they want to learn something. They're there because they want to learn or they want to research something. They want to purchase something. Another reason would be they want to mind numb. <laughs> they just want to just zone out. It's very similar to the black. They want an escape. Yeah, want an escape, for, for example, yes, right? Yes. When I'm going to approach producing content for YouTube, the thing to understand is, I think in other areas, we often think, well, what are the demographics? What are their, you know, their, their, their purchase intents, that type of thing. And that's, that's definitely true on YouTube. But I think on YouTube, it's especially true that we want to have in mind their reasons for watching. Why are they going to go and watch your content? And I listed a few of the reasons, just barely. Uh, and you would think going into it that, well, hey, if, I, if I'm a business... Do I really want to create relaxing content? No, I want people there that are ready to purchase. That's not always the case because YouTube, like I mentioned earlier, is about building trust with people. And so if I were planning a YouTube channel, and I've done this several times now, if I were speaking to the audience here and saying, hey, if you're considering it, I, one of the first questions I'd be asking is, what does your audience want on YouTube first? Why are they there on YouTube? How do you meet that? And then within your content, how do you lead them 
to what you want them to do, which is purchase or join your membership or whatever. whatever. So this is kind of interesting because if I think about what, what, what I'm hearing you say, people are going to YouTube to relax, to feel happy, to learn, to, sometimes to purchase, sometimes looking for an escape because there is some real entertaining content on there. If I think about how people use the other social platforms, for example, Facebook, they go to Facebook to catch up with their friends and see what's going on with their friends and family, right? They go to TikTok because they're bored and they want to escape. Same thing with Instagram, with reels and stuff like that. They go to Twitter probably to see what's going on in the news or keep up with like information, but they don't necessarily go to the social platforms to relax and they don't necessarily go there to purchase, which is almost always true of all the other social platforms. Nobody picks up Facebook and says, I'm going to buy something today. Nobody does. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> Same thing with Instagram, you know, or TikTok, right? But, but they do do that with YouTube. And that's really important for people to understand. So let's transition into like, for those of us that want to either create our own content on YouTube, and let's just grant that there's probably plenty of people listening who have a channel that sucks and they've done nothing with it forever, right? So it's practically like starting all over, right? But for those that really want to be intentional, to create content that's somehow going to help their business. You mentioned one of the first things is to understand what your audience wants and on YouTube. But I guess my question to you is, how do we even know the answer to that question? That's an excellent question. I'd be looking at it from two different ways, from, from two different angles, right? So, well, let me answer directly that question first. How do we even start with that? I would... What's the classic? YouTube, I actually would argue, has a huge advantage in this regard. I would go to YouTube. You could even create a new YouTube profile. And I would go to YouTube and act like, as well as I could, put myself in the shoes of my target audience and start searching for videos, start watching videos, and then see what videos YouTube recommends to me. Because what that's going to do is the algorithm is designed to surface satisfactory videos for people. It, what I would do is I would need to train it a little bit first, try to act like my audience, search a few things, watch a few videos, and try to really put myself in the psychographics, demographics, right, of my audience. And, but then once I've done that enough and watched through some videos, shown some activity, shown some interest, then I go back to the homepage. What does YouTube serve up for me? What are they going to give me? And that will give me clues as far as what type of content the algorithm thinks that that audience wants. I hope people got what, what I just said there. Yeah, and I love that. And I think you can just create a free Google account and then that'll get you into a clean slate to be able to do this, right? Yes. And then once you start to see what they're recommending to you, that's going to give you a sense of what people like your customer are, are, are consuming. Is that really what I'm hearing you say? Yes. Okay, I love that. Now let's take it to the next level and answer this question. You know, when we're ready to start creating content for our channel, which is one of the questions we had predetermined you and me, what should we be thinking about? Let's say we've done this research that you're talking about. We have a sense of, you know, our customer prospect loves these kinds of videos. Now we're ready to start creating content. What do we need to be thinking about? I'd be thinking about the end game you have for your, for your content. Cause up to this point, we've been understanding, okay, YouTube, and my audience on YouTube, okay, that's great. Now, what do I want my audience to do? What do I want for my business with that? Because that will affect greatly how we structure the content. I'll give some examples to illustrate what I mean here. Uh, so for example, most people, when they go to YouTube, they think the game is go viral. 
in most cases. From my experience, I've talked with a lot of people on YouTube. They think if they don't, if they're not really familiar with it, they think I just got to go viral. I got to get that big video. I got to go Mr. Beast, whatever, you know, get as many views as I possibly can. And that's just simply not the case, depending on the end goal that you have for your content. Because in some cases, uh, it's often, I, I've used this example before, and we'll get into a few more specific examples. But the case was a while back, one of my mentors said, hey, if you were to look at, uh, so there's the Mr. Beast channel. At the time, it had, I don't know, 40 million subscribers. It's much larger now. This was a few years ago, right? And then there was the Dave Ramsey channel. Uh, Dave, if you're not familiar with Dave Ramsey, he teaches a lot of uh, financial, yep. financial literacy, right? The baby steps, all of that. And my mentor said, which one would you think? Dave Ramsey's channel had maybe a million subscribers and Mr. Beast, 40 million. And he said, which one would you think was making more money? And in most cases, we think, well, larger audience, larger income, right? But he said, without a doubt, Dave Ramsey's channel because of how he set it up. His end goal is different. And so the views that you get on your content are not equal. A view, and I'm not just talking about YouTube partner program ads, because we all know about CPM, like how much you earn per, per uh, monetized view, right? And some niches have a much higher income. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about depending on how you set up your end game, what your audience is going to do as a result of your content, a thousand views on one channel might mean $100 income for your business. A thousand views on another channel might mean $10,000 income. It's very different. Uh, depending on how you structure it. So back to your question, Mike, uh, uh, what would I do next? I'd be looking at the end game and- Can I ask a question about the end game? Go ahead. What are some of the possible options that people have for an end game? Because not everybody's thinking about the end game. I mean, one would be entertainment. If you want to entertain people just to you know make them laugh and smile. I'm guessing most people listening to this are in, like you've told me, Mike, they're, they're, they, we have a business or something. And so- a few options in that space would be get them to sign up for a one-on-one, -on -one, get them to sign up for an email list, get them to purchase a membership, or get them to go to your online shop and buy some products because they look so dang good in your videos. <laughs> if you have clothing, for example, you just show them in your videos. Say, hey, look, I just made these new videos. Go check it out on my website. There's a few different ways. Those are some examples. What I love about this is this is such an important concept, everybody who's listening right now, because if we do make the mistake that Nate just mentioned, and we go to a really famous YouTuber, even in our research, and we think we've got to be like them, well, they might not have the same end game as what you have for your business, right? So you don't have to have the million views. You don't have to have the million subscribers. You just have to have something that's going to serve the objectives that you have coming in in the first place, right? Which might be personal branding for you. Let's say you're a B2B industry that's really tiny, right? Well, then a thousand views could be the whole darn industry, right, Nate? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. you know, you don't need a lot of views. You need the right views. And that's the important part. And I love this. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, 
our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. So is there anything else we need to be thinking about as far as like the starting of the content before we talk about creating a library of content, which is the next thing we're going to talk about? Yes. One other thing, actually. I want everybody to know this, especially if you've never done YouTube or you haven't gotten like any real traction on YouTube. I like to think of it as, I use the analogy of, I used to work, and this is actually true. I used to work in a sandwich shop and I kind of went through the, the ranks. I became manager, whatever, that type of thing. But I have used this analogy before. If if I were to all of a sudden open a sandwich shop and need to bake the bread and put together the sandwiches and run the cash register and clean the, the lobby and open and close all of those things, it's a lot. And YouTube is, you need to know, you need to learn the language of YouTube. You also need to learn the language of marketing on YouTube, making it look good in your title and thumbnail, and also the language of making a engaging video. And then and that, in addition to whatever other business stuff you're working on, it's a lot. And I'm, I'm totally transparent with that. It, it is a lot. But if I found that when I share that with people, when you think of it like, oh, it's not this big, the whole enchilada, it's, I need to learn this and this and this and acknowledge that those are skill sets that you might not have yet, then it's much more successful. And for folks that really want to go deeper on the elements of good video, we have had so many other folks on this show, which you can find if you go look at the back catalog on YouTube or on the podcast player of your choice. What I love about what we're talking about today is kind of fundamental stuff that I think is really, really important. Now, so we've talked so far about how it's really important to understand how people interact on YouTube. And then we talked about how it's important to really have an end game and to create content with the intent to get you to the end game. Now, what I would love to talk about is this concept that you and I talked about, about creating a library of content on YouTube. Start by defining what this library concept is, and then maybe we can get into the minutia of it. This is something I'm super excited about, actually. Uh, especially because YouTube is so good at this and oh, the potential for so many businesses if they leverage this, ah, it's so good. So, so the concept is you go into creating content on your channel, not necessarily as in the moment, urgent or trending or news style of content. You go into it thinking of it as I'm creating a library of interconnected pieces of content that my audience will want to watch. So what that means is ideally you want to create a piece of content that you'll get traffic maybe from search, maybe your audience is searching for it, or maybe when it appears on their homepage, they say, oh, that that looks like a dang good video. They watch it and that topic can be applicable for a long time. So the concept is evergreen, right? So that's the concept of the the, the idea of the, the, the library of content. So you're building it out intentionally to be a really useful or helpful or entertaining resource for your audience. 
Uh, now, I'm, I do need to add an addendum here. It's not, I'm not saying that the other types of content are bad, like news style of content. It's just the audience behaves very different with that type of content. I'll use news content as an example. If it's urgent news style of content, typically you'll have a fast spike of views, but then it will drop off and there's almost no long-term value for that video, aside from you got that initial spike of views and whatever the audience decided to do as a result of that. So, and, and it works for getting attention for your content. But right now I'm, I'm really liking this concept of library of content because of the long-term benefits I'm seeing from it. What kinds of content fits into this library category? And for, before you answer that question, for folks on the live side of things, I can 100% confirm what Nate is saying. We do have a live show that we publish every week on YouTube and on the podcast called the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. Some of that content does kind of have maybe a shelf life of about a month. But after that, a lot of people know it's kind of outdated and a month is pretty good. But you start to think about live audio, for example, that has a shelf life of mere days. You know, live video also seems to have a shorter shelf life. People are there typically live for the experience, and then it just kind of drops off because they're watching a playback of something that was live. And the challenge with live is you got to do it all the time, right? And it's one of those kind of things, like you said, that the good side to it is it does cultivate a really loyal following. Yes, absolutely. But a very small loyal following. But the downside to it is that you got to do it over and over and over again. And it's a lot of time and it's a lot of effort. What I love about what you're saying with this library concept is it seems if you do it right, it can deliver for a long, long time. And that's a really good use of your time and energy. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. You actually put that very well uh, and, and outlined the, the pros and cons of live content also <laughs> extremely well. From my experience, I'll, I'll just back you up on that. So examples of evergreen style of content. I'll just use one from channel makers. I made a video uh, last year that was, it was called how the YouTube algorithm works in 2023. And it's an often searched thing. People want to know how to do it. I put a lot of effort into it. I, I, my question going into it was how do I show this visually? Because everybody gives, you know, anecdotes, but they don't try to show it. And so I tried to show it. And so there was a lot of work that went, went into it, but that one, when it published, it did well. It continued to do well. And even just last month, the algorithm re-picked it back up and it was getting, I didn't touch it. I didn't do anything to it in the six or so months since it published. It was getting 20 to 30,000 views every 48 hours. Wow. Uh, and so when you look at it that way, I mean, some videos are getting even more than that, but when you look at that, that's 20,000 people that are finding this for the first time they're watching it, most of them, some of them might be rewatching it, but, but most of them are brand new. They're finding this for the first time. It's six months after I put in the initial effort. And so it's, I look at it like it's a library of content is an ever growing, you're always adding content to it, but it's an ever expanding free marketing funnel. You put in the effort once, you make a good video, but then if you do it well, the algorithm is doing all the work for you. It's amazing. There are some people listening right now that are like, okay, Nate, help me connect the dots between how the algorithm works and how that helps your business. Connect those dots because these are business people and they're like, okay, that sounds like something that would, would get a lot of views, but like make the connection how that actually helps channel makers and, and income school. So the connection between the algorithm working in it. Well, the YouTube video you chose to do on the YouTube algorithm somehow was serving a business objective, but they may not, the audience may not connect the dots on how. That yes. Works. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate you, you uh, clarifying that. So in that particular case, my bread and butter is helping people to build online businesses with YouTube. And so when I make a video that's extremely helpful to them in that space, 
And then within the video, I say, hey, if you want more, check out Project 24. You know, check out, that's my program. You check out Project 24, check out my website, whatever it is. What it's doing for me is new eyes are coming in. They're being exposed to my content and they're saying, actually, that was a good experience. That was really helpful to me. I wonder what else they have. Therefore, they go to the website, they purchase. I love it. So to help the audience understand the kinds of things that they could do for this kind of content, library content, talk to us, like, let's, let's break it down into kind of like some practical types of videos you could make on any channel so that people could begin like employing this. I would be looking at, so back to the, like the end game, I'd be looking at what are the topics? And this is not a new marketing concept by any means, but I would be asking myself, what are the topics that my audience always needs to know? Like, and, and think of it like a funnel, you know, what's the, what's the high end, what's the, what is ever, but what's the beginner stuff, depending on where you're targeting with your niche, what are they asking? Uh, what do they want to know? What would be interesting for them to watch and then making videos on those topics and intentionally putting them through a journey of, of, Hey, maybe they find this video. And then I, in that video, I recommend, Hey, there's another video. It's further down in the funnel. And then, Hey, there's another video. And that other video is my sales webinar. Uh, that's an evergreen sales webinar on YouTube. And from there, then they go and they do the website and then they purchase. Then answer your quick question. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about a couple of examples, switch and click Microsoft consultants. Maybe you want to, and Apple in the Alps, if you want to talk about any of those. So these are some examples of people I, I've worked with personally in project 24. So one channel, I'll use the example, their, their channel is called Switch and Click. That's all spelled out, Switch and Click. I worked with them when they were much smaller and they've been just exploding since then. This channel, I would call it, it's all about keyboards, computer keyboards. That's the primary thing. They do some other keyboard, computer peripherals and stuff. And the funny thing is they're making money particularly by uh, affiliate commissions, et cetera. Now, it doesn't mean that it's just a model for making a channel, but, but their, their approach is, hey, I'm going to make entertaining, interesting content for the, the geeky audience that love computer keyboards. And so they'll make videos like I was just looking at their channel. Is the Wooting keyboard actually good? Or you only have $40 to upgrade this keyboard. So it's kind of entertainment style of stuff. But the thing is that audience, when you think about the audience behind that, that's going to watch that kind of stuff. They're enthusiasts. They're the people that want to watch videos about only $40 to upgrade a keyboard or another video, $1,000 to upgrade a keyboard. And so they're enthusiasts. And so typically in that space, that audience is going to have uh, disposable income. So when you offer a sponsorship or let's say you have your own, in that case, it would be a little bit tricky, but let's say you have your own product, like it's a, it's a mouse pad or something. They actually just released a mouse pad for, for that enthusiast audience. and so. You've got enthusiasts, you're entertaining them, you're giving them a good experience, you launch a product, boom. It's, it's like it, it, it goes right into sales uh, that way. So that's one example. Another example, this is one where I was speaking earlier about how not all views are valued the same. This channel, I've, they're, they're part of Project 24 also. They're, it's called Sam Expert TV, Microsoft Licensing and Cloud. Now, that topic is not one that most people would be very interested in. Like if you were presented with a video called, uh, let's see here, service provider self-certification, <laughs> you probably wouldn't want to watch that unless you're that target audience. Um, this channel gets an average of oh, about 300 views per video, which by YouTube terms is really low, but they're making over $20,000 uh, just 
in, in traceable traffic from, from their YouTube channel a month because what they're offering is very niche and fits the audience super well. It, they're offering consulting. And so, boom, it works. Someone says, I need to get Microsoft licensing. I got to look it up. Nobody else is doing it, but they do it. They do it really well. And then from there, oh, I like these guys. I'm going to sign up for their consulting. That's how that one works. Just out of curiosity, what, do you have any sense of what kind of content that they're creating? Because there are a lot of people selling services that are listening to the show that are their ears are picked up a little bit by this example. Because it's one thing to sell a keyboard. You can show the keyboard and stuff. But selling a service, are they actually, do you have any sense of like how they're actually doing that? Because I would imagine they could share some of their wisdom in the video and then say, if you want to get certified, is that how they're doing it? Yeah. The thinking here is I'm going to create helpful content for the people that, I, that are my ideal clients. And so what questions do they have? Um, and you make a video about it. Just make a helpful video. Say, hey, you have this question, here's the answer. You know? And then if you want more, or if you want to get licensed, if you want additional consulting, you know, hit me up. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help with that. But in the meantime, it's, it's the concept, it's the age old concept of giving value first. I think that's exactly how they're approaching it. Yeah. And, you know, if I think for a second here about like how complex I'm sure these cloud software services are, if it was me, I'd be answering some of the most common questions like, how do you do this and how do you do that? Right. Or if they're selling certifications, then maybe they're answering questions like, how do you earn more money as a in-house IT guy working in the cloud with Microsoft services? Right. And maybe they'll talk about stories of how people that are not certified earn this much and people that are certified earn this much. And maybe here's what to look for when looking for someone who can certify. And at the end of the video, they'll be like, by the way, we offer online certification. If you want to learn more, click here, right? That's the kind of thing that would work well in that kind of situation is my thinking. Yes, absolutely. Very well said. What about that Applin example? Yeah. So there's another channel. I, I also work with them. They're called the channel's called Applins in the Alps. I wanted to throw that in here just as another example of an angle that could work. So if you were to look at the channel, it's structured similarly to like a vlog style of can channel. You look at it and be like, oh, it's about it's about the the Applins and they live in the Swiss Alps and all their experiences in there. And so it appeals to the people that just want to just hang out and experience new things, right? That's one of the reasons we talked about, one of the reasons I could add to the list of why people consume YouTube, I want to experience new stuff. I just want new stuff and I want real people showing me not necessarily like a National Geographic type of thing. But in their case, they found that if they do that type of content, but then they sprinkle throughout really helpful things for people that are planning on visiting the, the Alps, it's turned out to be an extremely useful funnel because Oftentimes, what people will do is the audience behavior is they'll say, well, I'm, oh, this is interesting. I want to experience the Alps. So they'll search a video. The Applins have a video like, Here, here's what it's like to live in the Alps. That's great. And then they say, oh, and by the way, within that video, they say, oh, and by the way, if you ever want to visit here, we put together this really helpful, it's a 30-minute video explaining a, a full itinerary, how we'd go about doing it. So then they go to that video and they say, oh, that's really cool. And then next, last I had heard from them, the Applins, they're planning on potentially doing guided tours. So then from there, it's like, well, hey, if you want us with you for a guided tour, or they can also offer, I have, again, I haven't checked recently, but they can offer just a, like a, a, an itinerary, a, a, like a full guide PDF with audio, you know, tours, like whatever they want to create. Then they can just say, hey, it's just $50. Go purchase this before you visit the Alps. 
You know, this is fascinating because this is kind of reminding me of Chip and Joanna Gaines from HGTV. If you've ever watched HGTV, you know, my wife is really into this channel. Basically, they're almost always people that are rebuilding houses, right? So Chip and Joanna live in Waco, Texas, which is this tiny little town. And most of their redesign work is with people in Waco. You get to know at least back when they were on TV, you get to know them and their family and stuff like that. And then what they ended up having was they had this this destination. And so many people got fell in love with Chip and Joanna Gaines on their TV show that they would go, including my family, to literally this place in Waco, Texas. And I don't remember what the name of it is, but they bought this area and they've got this store and then they've got this restaurant and people go on this pilgrimage to this particular place to experience this stuff. That's no different than what people do on YouTube. Literally, you could do the same thing on YouTube. If you have a fascinating before and after story, right? Maybe you're like a woods woods maker, or maybe you're a craftsperson and you kind of show how you do the work. Sometimes people just love to be entertained to see these before and after things, right? And if they get to know you, then before you know it, they want to meet you or they want to be trained by you or they want to buy these products and services. And this is like an alternative angle, right? Which is you're creating entertaining content that people fall in love with the creators and then before you know it, they want to do business with those people. That's kind of really what Mr. Beast's model has been all along, really. But you don't have to be Mr. Beast to do that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it happen in other industries like the real estate, for example. I've seen people that initially they thought, well, I just need to make real estate videos about my local, you know, where I'm licensed as a realtor. But then some of the people that, that got it, they realized, I just need to make interesting real estate content. And then from there, my name gets out there and I almost get famous. And what does that do for you? It means you can charge more. <laughs> it means you're more well-known, more trustworthy. And so that when you do say, hey, if you're looking to buy in this area, you know, hit me up. But people are like way more likely to do it if you have that online presence. Nate, this has been a really fascinating exploration of how we can create video content on YouTube with the intent of ultimately growing a business of any, any size. There's going to be a lot of people here that would love to connect with you. If you have a preferred social channel, maybe it's YouTube, where do you want to send them? And if you have a website, where do you want to send them as well? And don't forget about that top voted comment thing you mentioned earlier in the interview. Yes, this is good. So first I'll, I'll do the where, where to send people. Right? If you are in a position where your business would benefit from just my insights, additional help uh, with, if you're thinking you want to build this type of YouTube business, uh, you can check it out at channelmakers.com. If you're wanting to kind of get your toes wet and just understand a bit more of what it looks like to build a YouTube channel, uh, you can go to YouTube at, at channel makers that, that Mike so uh, uh, hopefully said at the very beginning. So those are the two places I'd recommend. Cool. And then what's the deal with that top voted comment? Top comment. So this was uh, by a landslide. I had to actually look it up because I'm apparently culturally illiterate, but the phrase is, I've got a jar of dirt. I've got a jar of dirt. And it's from, do you recognize that phrase? No. <laughs> you don't recognize that phrase? Okay. I actually had to look it up. If I had the correct accent, if I'd had a little more time to practice, yeah. I could have done the the drunkenness and I could have done my hair like uh, Jack Sparrow. But apparently it's in the Pirates of the Caribbean 2 where he's he's on the ship and he says, I've got a jar of dirt. And then he falls off. And so... By a landslide, the Channel Makers audience said that I should say that to Mike from Social Media Examiner. 
Well, so there you go. <laughs> consider consider it said, everyone. <laughs> Nate Black, thank you so much for uh, bringing your dirt to us today. We really appreciate it. <laughs> this was fun. Thank you. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 561. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.